Welcome back to Stories Out of Time and Space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as always, I have my companion in tow, Julian Darius. Julian, how are you doing? I'm doing fine and demand to be recognized as a goddess. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? Hey? <laughs> um, yeah, so we are past season three. We're now into our bonus episodes. Pretty, pretty far gone, actually. We've done our uh, little sojourn into um, Terry Gilliam. Uh, we've done the sort of the Imagination Trilogy and the Twelve Monkeys. And now we're into a proper block. We're going to be talking about what I would consider to be a British institution, something that one of the few things that we've exported into the world that we can be truly proud of, um, for the most part, uh, Doctor Who. Um, but uh, as... Uh, Julian and I, we do, we do love Doctor Who. We'll get into that in a moment. But like, we're not going to be doing the modern Doctor. This isn't this isn't sort of new Who. Uh, so there'll be no Eccleston, no Tennant, no uh, Matt Smith or anything like that. We're doing classic Doctor Who. But more importantly, just to explain this, we're not going to be doing everything. There's an awful lot there. There's seven Doctors, hundreds of episodes, hundreds of stories. So what we've done is we have chosen, we've done some research and we've chosen um, the most well liked or the most well regarded story from each of the doctors so we have seven episodes and we're going to be going through each of those uh, and so we're starting with william hartnell doctor uh, doctor uh, and the story we've chosen for the uh, for the first doctor is the aztecs but julian before we get into the actual story let's talk about the doctor in general so as um an american uh, and obviously i think you've had this you know, it's been available on BBC Worldwide and PBS and that sort of thing. So what's your what's your relationship with Doctor Who? Uh, well, as a dirty yank, um, you know, <laughs> my experience with Doctor Who was much like sort of Red Dwarf. It was um, played late at night on the local PBS station. The You mm. know, thank God for public television, um, which we don't have much over here, but we have one station and. So it would play the stuff late at night and I would stay up late to watch like the British, you know, block mm. of stuff. And I didn't I knew that they were British, but I didn't really understand how old they were. Or, you know, I mean, they, they were presented without any context. There wasn't like an announcer saying, you know, and now we're going to be playing, you know, the best of the BBC or something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, so these two would just start playing and. You know, Doctor Who was inscrutable because it was always, um, you know, one episode out of a serial. I didn't understand how any of it worked, mm. but I just watched it. And, you know, I, I didn't really come to love it until later. Mm. Um, it, it, I, it was Red Dwarf that I could fall in love with right away. Um, but Doctor Who was a sort of a choir taste. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, he, Red Dwarf is an easy access because, like you say, you can pick up pretty much any episode and you get the premise and you get the characters and you're off to the races. 
Doctor Who is one of those, like you say, you can go, oh yeah, I've seen this one. This looks interesting. And like you say, if you if you pick up like episode like with this, like, if you pick up episode three of the Aztecs, like you've got no clue what the concept of the show is or what the who that who anyone really is. And you might pick up the X next one and like, oh, they keep calling him the Doctor, but he looks completely different. Like it's a different actor. <laughs> Um, so it, it, it's a show that sort of comes with incredibly detailed. Well, no, it's a show that now comes with incredibly detailed lore. Like they mm. filled the gaps, and there's like been all these retro, you know, retcons that have like filled the gaps and said, you know, for example, I won't get into it because I don't fully understand it. But like, there's a character in this one, uh, Susan Foreman, who is the Doctor's granddaughter. Yeah. So you know, the first Doctor, they didn't really acknowledge his Gallifreyan. Um, heritage until they were like yeah William Hartnell's getting a little old um, and he keeps forgetting his lines uh, we need to replace him or we need to shut down the show or we need to replace him and they decided to sort of introduce the regeneration uh, and all the alien thing so that didn't come to the end of the first Doctor as far as I'm aware so- yeah. yeah I think that's right and you know I, I thought we could talk somewhat just about Hartnell and, and sort of the original mm. conception of the show and what are because you know even being british it's not like you (laughs) i assume i don't want to make any assumptions but i assume that british children aren't put in front of the television and forced to watch the history of doctor who from start to finish so what was your encounter (laughs) with you know like understanding the different doctors and and with hart nolan specific in the earliest years of the show um well, it's weird because it is. It is. You say that like you know you don't get stuck down in front of it. Um, yeah, there's not a test. You don't reach an age. You're like right. You're gonna pass. It's sort of like you know the BBC test. Um, no, when, when I was a kid, I, I, my first Doctor was was Sylvester McCoy, the Seventh Doctor. Um, and I I I had this sort of like pre um, knowledge really because like you know it's like you, I was too young to watch it. It was there, and I sort of watched it, but was never really paying attention wasn't really until sort of like the mid 80s uh, when when uh, Sylvester McCoy came in that I was old enough to be like oh I get what this is like this show I get what this show is but I'd been reading comics um you know kids comics and stuff like the Beano and the Dandy and stuff like that and they'd made jokey references to this thing there's a, uh, a series in uh, the Beano called the Bash Street Kids which is a bunch of like you know um ne'er-do-wells in sort of like Beano land and these these school kids and there were several sort of like Doctor Who jokes in that but it would reference earlier generations he'd have like the Tom Baker version or uh, the Peter Davison version would appear in it sort of like you know caricatures of them so that you you do have this sort of osmosis where you're like oh I know of Doctor Who like I knew of it and it wasn't until like say in fact it wasn't until um it went off air you know, they cancelled it, and then you'd see it on reruns and things and other bits and pieces. Like, you didn't really see anything, like, you know, but there was VHSs available. Um, but for me, like, it really made a big hit when the movie came out. The Paul McGann, 1996, mm-hmm. I think it is. They sort of, and then all, all of a sudden, the BBC were like, well, if, we, if we're doing that, we should really sort of probably do something to let people, to remind people what this thing was. And so they put a few of the old Doctor Who's on TV in the 90s. And that was when I was like, oh, <laughs> this is actually really good. Um, and then I started to seek out some of it on VHS. I mean, by that point, I was watching, like, um, Next Generation and uh, other shows like that. So I was well into sort of, like you know, the, the geek sphere by then. 
so yeah it was it was one of those ones like, i was aware of it but it sort of fell out of favor because the bbc didn't like it and then sort of made its way back um so yeah yeah i mean you know for me you know i i had some of it in the 90s but it was especially after the uh davies show came on mm. uh that i you know felt you know started just i, I sort of organized a project of watching all of the old stuff <laughs> and then reached a point where i was like yeah i don't know how much i want to continue with this um but I, I have to say that I really love the original premise. And yeah. I think that while, like, obviously we come at it with the whole Gallifreyan mythology and, you know, we know all of that. It's hard not to impose that on the early stuff. But I love the original premise of the show. I love the doctor as a curmudgeon kind of not likable <laughs> old guy, right? Um you know, who's, who's sort of the grandfather figure. It's so weird that it's even named Doctor Who, not only because there's no name, but because he's not the intended to be the main character. Mm. And I, I think the original concept, you know, of having the companions, I mean, this was intended as a kid's show, mm -hmm. and having, you know, school teachers and the young girl who's the, the granddaughter, Susan, as, you know, sort of the audience identification figure and then the teachers to guide them through these episodes. Yes. Um, it's such a brilliant concept and all and the original concept of alternating between, you know, real science fiction serials and historic serials that would introduce kids to what the Aztecs were, you know, yeah. um, well, or Marco Polo. Or, yeah, well, exactly. I mean, you know, one, one of the things that jumped to mind when I was watching this, because because it, it is it's it's quite we're used to if you if you're all you're used to is new who if you're used to sort of like david tennant running around looking sexy in his suit fine <laughs> that, that's that that's the action adventure doctor who that's where they go all over the time and space or you know to different planets and there's a morality code there but they don't really there's there's no or there's very little education it's not designed to do that they reintroduced it with um what's it uh, with whittaker um the the latest doctor and they have done that they've gone back they did the whole uh civil rights movement and rosa parks they've done it with a couple of other episodes and it's actually weirdly works really well you know where yeah. you go they go yeah we've gone back to this time and you get this this thing that's similar to this story again of like future people present day people trying to impose their sensibilities and moralities onto these past societies and it just not working like people going like you know doesn't work that way that's not how this works um and so I, I like that concept but there was a few moments in this that felt a little bit like magic school bus where it's mm -hmm. sort of like you know the, the story sort of pauses very slightly from saying well that's what the aztecs do and this is how human sacrifice works into that religion and you're like right cool that is cool but it, you could see that premise coming through but I, it, it it didn't impede my enjoyment of this story at all um so i agree yeah. I, do, I do like the concept i mean i have to say that you know i find especially with old doctor who it's it's not so much the uh lack of budget and you know <laughs> sort of like poor combat sequences and we'll come know, to we that have, we'll go to both yes. of those <laughs> and, and we have to remember that you know these episodes were shot in a day you know mm -hmm. they'd like rehearse for a few days but then they'd be like right Film is expensive. We're shooting this entire episode in a day. 
Um, you know, and it's intended to be broadcast once. And famously, the BBC scrapped a lot mm-hmm. of these these old episodes. Um, but you know, I going back to Hartnell and, and this whole era, I like Susan as a companion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think she leaves in the second Dalek serial. Uh, I think the original pilot, the first episode, is one of the best episodes ever mm. made of any sci-fi show. It sells the concept. It works brilliantly. You understand why these companions are there. Um, they're not merely a, a counterpost to the Doctor, but, I mean, they work as a group mm. uh, really well. I love seeing Susan, you know, like, no stuff that she shouldn't as a kid yeah. in school. Yeah. And, you know, the doctor hiding out in a warehouse with the TARDIS. Um, and then, like, the Dalek stuff. I, I love the first two Dalek serials, which were adapted into the movies. Um, you know, those work well. But for me, the number one problem with old Doctor Who is the pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I can, you know, I can deal with the low budget stuff. It's the pacing. And I always feel like, like, even with the Aztecs, I feel like, if this were, I want to edit this down to like a 60 minute yeah. episode, you know, and and I think right around that where you're keeping, you know, two thirds of it or so, um, it would flow so much better. I mean, the basic mm. story is all there. The characters are there. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's interesting going on, but that pacing is a problem for me. Uh, you know, do you know what? I, I it was one of the things that really stood out for me because there are scenes but again this is the, the Aztecs uh, is across four episodes uh each episode's about uh 25 23 to 25 minutes long you know they're not hugely long um but as you say sort of like they they have to fill that and there's not you know this thing of of and we'll get to the story this plot in a minute but like and it's clear in other ends as well and it'll, it happens throughout like you know this is a, a i would say this becomes a bit of a problem with doctor who well up until probably t- the baker years like tom baker they sort of seem to resolve it a little bit then but there's this thing of like we can't spend any more money so we can't introduce anything new but we've got to fill the time, so we're going to have a dialogue scene, or we're going to have this, and they're they're usually sort of like perfunctory and sometimes even like plot adjacent, where you're like, you know, it doesn't really matter, but it fills the time, and you can you can sort of spot them in every episode. You're like, yep, don't need this one, like you know, you mm-hmm. say scrap this, scrap that, and I think you're right, like you could strip this down to like sixty, probably in shorter, like you know, fifty to sixty minutes, and you would have a really tight Doctor Who episode. Um, but yeah, I think the pacing is, is a part of the problem. One of the things I was going to say, you said about this, and again, the pacing. One of the things I, I'd never really watched, intently watched a, a Hartnell Doctor before. Like I've seen bits and pieces. I think I've seen a couple of the other serials, but like mainly the ones that relate to the the Hammer films, the ones we're gonna we're mm. gonna discuss as well. And again, it was quite a while ago. So I'm watching it this time, and there was something that really struck me was we've mentioned it when we did. We talked about Quatermass. Now, we talked about the Hammer films, Quatermass, and uh, the Americanized, angry Quatermass. <laughs> <laughs> um, but t- talking more about the TV version, the Nigel Neal, the sort of the, the version that he created in the 50s, uh, William Hartnell's Doctor is so much a progression of that character. Like, although they didn't do any more Quatermass, like, it's quite clear that the BBC were like, do you remember that thing we did? Yeah, more of that, please. Like that's, but we're gonna instead of doing aliens coming to Earth, we're gonna do 
time travel, but we can introduce those elements. And there's so much of that character, that sort of the TV version. Um, and again, you say about the pacing, it's exactly the same from this when you watch the original Quatermass TV show, in that they were like, right, these are broadcast live. Um, we've got to fill the time. We've been told we've got to do this many episodes. And so we've got to have these extra things. So there are episodes when you're like, it's no wonder Hammer were able to sort of bring these down to a, a 90 minute or less movie. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, it, it's just, I think it's the nature of TV at the time. Like, you know, when you watch, there's a, there's a reason that Doctor Who now works as a one and done, for the most part, episodes, because they know they can tell those stories quick and, 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 and move on. Um, but I, I do think I think that that pacing thing sticks around for quite some time until the sort of the BBC figure figures a few things out well into the seventies. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I mean, and I think even even the Tom Baker stuff, you know, ha, has some of that. You know, mm. it's more just historical, you know, changing styles that you know produced before you know MTV. Uh, yeah, and some of it. Um, yeah, I and I and I sort of feel that the historical episodes and again i love the sort of counterpose of historical and then classic sci-fi alien stuff i feel like the historical episodes suffer more from that pacing mm. that i can watch you know a dalek serial from the era and i know it's slow but i'm watching like them go through a dalek headquarters you know and the dalek looks a little daft and you know <laughs> the, uh, but it's still charming, you know, it's like, oh, right, they're on a spaceship, you know, like I can put up with that a little more than the historical episodes where I'm really glad that they did them and I admire that they did them. But then I also feel like, right, what what you're you're in Mexico encountering the Aztecs. How many characters do you encounter? You know, they <laughs> all look sort of white and most of it is a kind of like play like kind of costume drama of, you know. Um, every companion running into trouble and, mm. you know, not that, not that they don't do a good job of it, but you know, there is this sort of like, right. Okay. You're, you're in Roman times, but you have, uh, eight actors and, you know, they're <laughs> going to have a lot of conversations in different rooms. Yeah. Your soundstage is this big and you put <laughs> so you're limited to three sets, um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It does. It does limit it at times. Um, I mean, you know, I went through and I watched um, some of the other Doctor Who stuff and, you, you, you know, similar similar things will occur. It becomes a bit of a joke, you know, when they do go to a planet, like how many quarries in Wales can they film in before it's exactly, you know, before each planet looks a little bit similar, you know, so it's the, these things again, uh, you know, uh, I mean, in this one, again, I don't want to knock the budget because I actually really enjoy a lot of the stuff, but like, there's a set, the the, the Aztec temple, mm -hmm. uh, where Barbara sort of is, you know, seated for a large portion of this. And then as you walk out of it, they've tried to do it distance by having this sort of like drop, like a, 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 you know, a sort of a scene drop of these Aztec temples and stuff. Several times you can see wrinkles in that. And in one point you can even see it move because it's clearly just a curtain. <laughs> Right, and I'm like, I'm not going to knock you for that because that's what you what you could do. At least you attempt you attempted to have an exterior. Um, yeah, and that stuff doesn't bother me. That's no. the sort of like low budget stuff that doesn't bother me. Mm. And actually, I thought that that was those sort of painted backdrops were one of the highlights of the episode. Mm -hmm. That I'm always looking at those 
you and I both love painted backdrops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They look it, great. I mean, it is a little weird thinking this whole action takes place like high on a temple, you know, yeah. like, but it does really set the scene, you know. Yeah, it, it is interesting. We'll get into some of the stuff like that, because, again, like, there's some set pieces. There's the, the, the garden. And that's got yeah. like a, a, a similar one behind it, but it looks fine. Like I'm, I'm like, yeah, this is good. I'm glad they're trying to. At least I appreciate they're not doing it, and or, you know, they haven't just built a high wall and gone. It's the sky, you know. They, they've tried to give yeah. it some a, a, a bit of a vista. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. So really, I think you know, I think um, the Hartnell Doctor is interesting. I think the companion set. The, I like the companion set. I want to get into that because in particular, I, I think Ian is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, in this in this episode. Um, but yeah, should we, should we crack on? Should, should, I'll give yeah. a bit of a blurb here. I've got, I went to Doctor Wiki, Doctor Who Wiki. So I'll give a blurb of it and then I shall quickly run through the characters. So the Aztecs is the sixth serial in the British science fiction series Doctor Who, which was first broadcast on BBC One for four weeks, starting um, from May the 23rd to June 13th, 1964. It was written by John LaCarotti and directed by John Crockett. In the serial, the first Doctor, his granddaughter, Susan, and teachers Ian Chesterton and Barbara Wright arrive in Mexico and join the Aztec Empire in the 15th century. Barbara becomes mistaken for the goddess uh, Yataxa and accepts the identity in hope of persuading the Aztecs to give up human sacrifice despite the Doctor's warning about changing history. Uh, the Doctor is played by William Hartnell. Uh, the companions, Ian Chesterton is played by William Russell, Barbara Wright by Jacqueline Hill and Susan Foreman by uh, Carolyn Ann Ford. Now, these are going to be a bit, a bit harder. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the Aztecs, uh, Ortlock, played by Keith Pyatt, uh, Latoxel by John Wright Ringham, uh, Ixta by Ian Cullen. I think that's all you really need to know beyond that, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the only other one that really is in it of any note is the first victim, or the, no, sorry, is the perfect victim, pronounced by Andre Boulay. So that's what it is. So this ep- this the first episode. I want the first thing I want to note about this whole th- whole thing. This first episode starts with, and this is how much times have changed. A miniature, not a particularly good miniature, of yeah. the of the TARDIS disappearing from a, um, a hillside somewhere next to some water. So you the you get the, the, the you get this the typical sounds and the TARDIS disappears. And then they arrive in Mexico, 15th century Mexico. Now, I'm, I haven't gone back and checked, but I assume that, as because as we see at the end of this this serial, it knocks onto the next serial. Mm-hmm. I assume that that disappearing would have been the end of the last serial because they have that continuation. So I kind of like that little model. It's 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 not great, but it's kind of it's charming. It's a charming way of starting this series. Um, but they do they arrive in the tomb of. <laughs> A former witch doctor or witch high priest, your toxel, and um, go straight to grave robbing, basically. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Like they do, they, there's a body lying there. It's got the bits on, and Barbara basically puts on a uh, a bracelet, and they start. To, but they, again, you talked about this format. Straight away is exposition about the Aztecs and their burial practices and all this other stuff. And so you can see straight away this is an educational program, but it's good. It's a good setup, like you know, this whole, you know, in in the tomb. Um, what are your thoughts from the beginning? Yeah, I quite like I, I quite like the tomb. I mean, I, I'm 
I'm in it at that point. Mm. I think that, you know, very quickly, I, I, I would say, you know, yes, there is this sort of like exposition. And Barbara especially is because she, you know, knows history. She sort of takes the lead on that. It's not very long. And mm. in fact, you know, one of my complaints about the history episodes is, you know, how little history is really given in them, <laughs> right? It's like, yes, you get that sort of magic bus sort of explanation, but it's like, right, we're going to entertain you for two hours worth of television. And in that two hours, you're basically going to come away with two sentences of understanding. Mm. And, you know, one of my objections to this is that, you know, the entire plot revolves around, yes, the Aztecs practiced human sacrifice. And there's this um, counterposition between, uh, you know, Barbara goes out of her way to say, yes, but that was only one side of Aztec civilization. And you, history, you know, sort of basically white people only remember, you know, this dark side. Mm. But they had wisdom and good things too which are never explained and which you never see in the entire episode and no i I would dispute that because one of the things that's interesting is you do you do get this high priest and you get we'll talk about them in a minute but you get in particular this idea of the garden and this idea because obviously lifespans were a lot shorter than you know they weren't living this but when you reach your 52nd year you basically got to retire and people looked after you and you got to live in this sort of garden and live out your time and so they do sort of like they hint at it's not explicit but they do hint at these other things where um the doctor sort of has a or the one of those subplots that has requires <laughs> really shouldn't it doesn't really go anywhere is he ends up being engaged to one of the women in this this garden area but their conversations are this thing of sort of like, yeah, yeah we have, you know, the, 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 everyone's equal. You know, this woman here was was made baskets, but this here guy was a stonemason and da, 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 like, and we all just lived together. And like, so there's little bits like that. that like, we care for people. And then they counter that by saying, but then the high priests are determined to kill the, the perfect uh, victim or the, the last, you know, the perfect sacrifice or whatever. So, yeah, you don't get it. It's not explicit. And I think it could be hammered home a little more. But it, it's sort of in there a little bit. Yeah, that, I mean, that's true. Uh, but I find, like, I mean, <laughs> the Aztec civilization was a vast, expansive yeah. thing of titanic structures and was part of a, uh, you know, a vast network that went beyond Aztec civilization of trading groups that went all the way through North America mm. into South America. I mean, you know, this is... There was a, you know, this is a vast sort of quasi-empire that is, you know, none of that's important. What's important is like, yeah, they they have nice gardens and they like killing people. (laughs) I mean, okay. It comes down to the limit, again, this is limitations of television and the the budgets and some of the things. But you could have characters in that explain these things, couldn't you, you know? Yes, well, Utoxa is, you know, Utoxa is here in this empire, and this temple, but our empire spreads from here to here sort of thing. You could do, do those things. The other thing I'd say is, like, don't forget as well, this, sound, this is gonna, and this sounds incredibly um, short-sighted, but this is technically like American history. From yeah. a British standpoint, you know, this is sort of like, if this was about the British Civil War or Tudor England, I guarantee you there'd be a lot more. 
Mm-hmm. But at this point, they're like, yeah, they existed in Mexico in the 15th century. And that's all you really need to know. You know, we just think they're cool. You've seen them. You know, you're probably going to do a, you're going to do a topic on them at school. Mm. And we're going to mm-hmm. give you enough information. Like, it feels like that as well. They're like, we, we're showing you this history. But because you are British children, you don't really, you know, it's not important. I think I think there's an element of it that of that as well. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is recognizing those pyramids, recognizing, mm. you know, all, all the the uh, sort of stones with the engravings on them. I mean, you know, I to, to your point, that's a big, you know, we have, you know, we know a lot more now about Aztec mm. civilization than even I was taught as a kid in school, you know precious little you know i'm mm-hmm. not sure that we were taught any more than, <laughs> than you um but yeah i mean a big part of that knowledge is beyond just the school summary recognizing those styles and the art yeah yeah oh yeah no it's, it's interesting again one of the things i wanted to point out on that front is the costuming mm-hmm. you know the show's in black and white we should highlight so there's no sort of like you know crazy colors and golds and all that kind of thing like but they go to some. They go. To, they do go to some lengths to at least attempt some level of authenticity. Like you know, mm-hmm. it's not clearly it's not authentic. Authentic. Um, this was bashed together by some poor women in the background. In the background. In the in the you know costuming department of the BBC. But like some of it looks really good. Like and, and mm-hmm. even to the extent of like you know, yes, I, I'm sure there's some. Um, Let's just call it some some skin darkening. It's it's blackface. They're, they're darkening people's at least Ortlock in particular. It's 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 evident on, um, and also Latoxel. But then they try that thing of like then they've got the strip across him and they've got some other mm. bits and sort of like they try they're trying to set up. I think there's a level of authenticity they're trying to introduce. And the helmets that or the hats that look like a bird or a, or a leopard or something like they've got things mm-hmm. like they were sort of like. And so I was quite impressed where they could they could have just gone. No, 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 no one, you know, this people, people at home watching this on a Sunday evening aren't going to really know. Doesn't yeah. matter. Bang them in. What, what costumes have we got left from something else? So they could have done that, but I don't think they did. And I think I, I appreciate at least that as well. Yeah. And it's worth noting that uh, John Lucarati, who was mm. the writer of the Aztecs, was really fascinated by Aztec civilization. And this came out of that. And mm. it, the, the serial was praised when it originally aired for taking those pains to be mm-hmm. authentic. So it's all relative. I mean, apparently one of the things that they are least authentic about is showing skin and nudity, <laughs> which you couldn't do on the BBC. So yeah. authenticity yeah. is limited by, is, is limited by British Prudishness. propriety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These warriors that would have been wearing nothing but a loincloth, what should we put them in? Padded jackets. <laughs> right. It's like ancient Greek wrestling. Yeah. Not going to be presented authentically yeah. <laughs> in um, either of our countries, frankly. No, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oof, no, no. Don't want any of that. Um, but yeah, so, I, I, you know, there are elements like that that I actually really thought, like, I was like, wow, this has actually really gone out of its way to to attempt those things. Um, and then, but then there's other things like this. There were certain things that I find as a bugbear in this element this idea of because i've thought about this a great deal this idea of a modern person being hurled backwards in time and then being considered a god or being able to sort of like wow someone with technology and then all of a sudden becoming sort of like you know a part of the the royal court or something like that 
Let's be clear. If any of us were hurled backwards in time, we would all be dead in a gutter somewhere, dying of starvation, having diseases that we, you know, we no longer have, or um, be having mugged and murdered. Yeah, like, or we'd be burnt as a witch. Like, there's no, there's no way any of this ever, you know, is is happening. And it's always bothered me, because um, it's just ridiculous. But, I was also bothered. I mean, the, by the basic sort of. I mean, and this gets into the presentation of race. I mean, you pointed yeah. out the sort of blackface thing. Um, I, I I like the you know stripe uh, on the mm. face. I mean, it, it it gives a sense of difference. Um, I but I couldn't get over how, yeah, of course, they're speaking with a British accent. <laughs> That's not my accent, so it's it's very obvious to me. Yeah. Whereas if they spoke like. You know, Ted Koppel, I, I would notice it. Um, but, you know, I'm very conscious of that. The, these are white Brits yeah. pretending to be, <laughs> you know, pretending to be Aztecs. Um, and the idea that their response to seeing um, seeing a white school teacher from the 20th century is, well, she's an incarnation of the goddess strikes me as. Utterly ridiculous. Yeah, their the greatest evidence is she comes out of the tomb wearing the bracelet yeah and i'm like yeah but three other people came out and all like is it ju just that <laughs> bracelet seems to be enough fair enough all right yeah i have a bit of a problem with it i know they need it to um progress the story but it, you know you there are other things that could have been a coincidence that could have driven that home as like she, her perception but the other thing you say about the the the, the um the Caspian British, and again, like you know, again, it's one of the things that I sort of let go. I even let go now in. You have to let that go in modern Doctor Who a lot of times. Yeah. You're like, all oh, right, so you're on this planet, but they're all from Essex. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about that. Um, well, my version of that is, I always think, you know, I, and this is the American standpoint. Like, this alien is oddly obsessed with this island nation. You yeah. know, yes. that's yeah. cool. That's part of the charm, but. His, his this alien's version of the world seems to be like uh, the cartoon of New York with the rest of North America being shrunk around yeah, New York yeah. City. Like there's Britain. <laughs> and then, yeah, I know India exists, you know. Yeah. It, it's that thing, again, which we'll get, we can get into with other who bits, with this thing of like how important the human race is in this great galaxy. And you're like, yeah, not particularly. Um, right. But yeah, one of the like I say, this thing of being recognised as your toxic is 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 interesting, like, you know. But the other thing is obviously these are these are sixties women. This is nineteen sixty four. This was produced and released, and um, their hair for the amount of time that they are in Aztec fifteenth <laughs> century Aztec. Like, I'm like, wow, your hair is incredibly well coiffed under each of these houses. And there's, there's little things like that where I'm like, I know it's television. I know that's the point, but it's sort of like, it just seems kind of silly as you watch it now, but. Well, it's funny. I, I didn't even think about that, but you know, I often object to that in like the walking dead and shows yeah. like that today where I'm just like, right. Where are you getting your, you know, your, um, <laughs> you know, heating your hair, blow drying your hair. Your hair has clearly been blow dried. <laughs> yeah. Yet you are struggling to find water. <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. We've been walking for six weeks. Yeah, but your hair's looking brilliant. I know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Not a um, strand out of place. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a similar thing with this. And again, like, um, 
and and the same thing goes for this whole thing of the sort of you know surviving um in that time one of the things i want to talk about is ian and again this idea we'll talk about because this idea of notion of human sacrifice and the way the the whole episode or the whole serial as you say is driven by this notion of preventing human sacrifice but then ends with two deaths Mm -hmm. which is really i thought that, that felt quite interesting but ian sort of goes back and he's a school teacher Okay, and I, I haven't seen a great deal more, so I, I'm, I don't want him speaking out of place. But all of a sudden, he goes back to 15th century Aztec um, Mexico, and he's a badass. Yes, but well, this, I, this is a, definitely a weakness of the serial. I mean, I will say in in defense of the setup, like I mean, if you look at the original, I mean, and back then it, there wasn't the idea that the doctor was going to change and the companions mm-hmm. were going to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Susan is the first to leave of the original cast but that was the cast i mean mm. that, there was no idea of having rotating companions and whatnot um and of that original setup you know very clearly susan is the kid identification figure yeah. the doctor was the inscrutable grandfather and then the of the teachers uh barbara is sort of beautiful and sensitive and ian was sort of the closest you get to like the swashbuckling Han Solo, yes. you know, like I'm a white Britisher of, you know, a certain age. I'm the adventurer character, but he clearly is fighting like the strongest warrior, the Aztecs, Aztecs <laughs> yeah. and no problem. You know, the Brits it, are made, look, he went through the blitz. And yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> that's there is, no, yeah, yeah. Stiff. All you need is a strong cup of tea and a stiff upper lip and you can face anything. Um, but there is that notion, like when he takes him on and he gives him like one of those pressure, and I hate this as well. Like, you know, I'm going to take you up with a pressure point sort of grab. Mm. Like, yeah, you've applied a Vulcan nerve pinch. Well done. Yes. Like it's it's that sort of silly. Um, and then later on they have the fight and stuff, and it's fine. I'm I'm sort of I'm fine with like you know, again, certain characters, and they've done this better. In, and again, we have to make comparisons to modern Who and modern TV shows. They will do that because they they're, they're able to do that now. Where they'll go, oh no, this is the warrior character. And this is the intellectual, and this is something they can set them up, and they'll give you that thing because they're quite comfortable now with saying, "Yeah, he's a meathead, but he he's there as the muscle or whatever." Like you can have those characters, but this they're trying to cover all their bases. That yeah, he's a teacher, but he's actually a fighter. You're like, well, why don't you just make him a policeman or something else? Mm-hmm. Um, weirdly, uh, to want to say in the TV in the films, which we will cover in the next episode, he's played by a guy called Roy Walker, who is very different <laughs> to mm-hmm. to the guy who's playing Ian in this show. So um he's almost like a head shorter and uh you know and not a fighter in the slightest. Um so yeah but no uh, this idea of him joining the Aztec uh military becoming a general and stuff it's like you know I don't know like what was the end game of this like if we or if we can't get back doctor um then what he's going to lead the Aztecs armies like it, it's it's all yeah, it's very strange. I mean, it's and you can see how a decision was made to sort of give each of these characters something to do. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, clearly it's cool that it focuses on on Barbara as, you know, uh, Yataka. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's cool, even if I don't buy the the basis for that. And, and I don't know that proving that she really is or isn't is a particularly dramatic way to go with that. Mm. Um, 
you know, it, it seems to distract from me from the the central conundrum of do I get rid of human sacrifice and what are the consequences if if I am given godlike powers to determine the society's course? How do I understand that? That really, you know, is mentioned, but it gets put aside for, um, you know, the drama of proving whether she's, you know, disproving that she's really the goddess. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, everybody gets kind of something to do, you know, and, and Ian's job is, you know, to uh, fight Ixta and, yeah. you know, survive. And, <laughs> and it's not the most interesting thing to do with Ian. No, but one of the things I would say is that about how they've set it up, because you're right, they, they, each, they each get um, different elements. But and it's not handled well because the the majority of the time is spent with Barbara, or you know, and if anything, Susan is the least served in this mm-hmm. uh, serial. But they each enter like a different facet of Aztec society. Like you know, Barbara is seen as this god, Yataxa. Um, the doctor, because he's old, gets taken to this garden with the, with these other sort of like retirees, um, and you know they get to drink cocoa. Ian, because he's a strong man, gets in sort of like drafted into the, the the Aztec military. So you get to look at like the weapons and their strategies and how they did things. And then um, Susan is drafted into, and they call it a, sem- a seminary. So she's been drafted in to become a young priestess or something. Like she's being educated, and so you they you see that she is being. They had education. So it does try to, mm. again, they're not going to tell you of them, but they keep trying to drop these things of like, look, they had education. Yes, they had a military. And then they looked after their elderly. Like it's a real sort of like, you know, but again, it doesn't go anywhere. But then each of them, and again, with with Barbara, you get the whole priesthood thing of like how they get like a city, you know, the politics of of um, the high priests, which is probably more akin to Catholic church than it is Aztec priests, <laughs> I think. But anyway. The the um I do like those things, but then each of them seems to apply their twentieth century um percepts you know perspectives onto that. But Susan's is actually the most one of the most interesting mm-hmm. because they're like, well, we've educated you. You are clearly educated enough now to be allocated a husband, and she's yes. like, hey, I'm not having that. Hey, oh, no, no, no. And so there's this whole thing then about you know she's like, well, no, if I have a husband, I shall choose them, and so. I like those some of those conflicts, but again, weirdly, they're not explored enough to be of any merit. No, I agree with you, and I and I like seeing Susan and and Barbara to a lesser degree spout. Well, I shouldn't use the word spout. Say what would be uh, you know twentieth century sort of quasi feminist, especially in comparison, uh, strong lines, right? I mean, this is what yeah. you were getting at of sort of characters being thrown outside of their historical context. Yeah. Um, and, and that, you know, you're, you're quite right. I mean, this does give an occasion to not only see in theory, different aspects of Aztec society, but also, um, but also sort of that contrast of, of values. But then I wonder, you know, the Aztecs don't seem sufficiently dumbfounded, right? It's, yeah. I, 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 that's a really good point is the reaction to all of this from the Aztecs is often like a shrug of the shoulders <laughs> it's a bit like oh all right <laughs> well that's not that's not proper yeah. all right on with the next thing it's like oddly as oddly the Aztec reaction to these things is very British <laughs> yes well and I mean 
the, the reaction to Oliver wanting more food is more outrage than the, as- yeah. the Aztecs yeah. to, you know, 20th century British values. Yeah, it's, um, uh, yeah, it's it's funny that they say that that's, um, the, the, the response, I'm trying to think of the other one that's, that's um, in the garden, you know, that when the doctor goes around the things and they're talk, talking about them and stuff, again, it feels this like very British thing of sort of like, you know, he he's leading into this idea of like, you know, oh, they look after their elderly, but like, there's almost like a bite back of like, yeah, but you don't honour them. Like you're not using their knowledge for things. And it's almost like, well, I'm pretty sure you're you're conveying the right... The words they are using seem to be conveying the message, the wrong message for what they're trying to show. Because they do talk about how knowledge is passed on. Mm-hmm. But then they also talk about the elderly being forgotten in this garden. And you're like, yeah, you're sort of taking with one hand and giving with the other on some of these messages. I'm not sure you know from episode to episode what it is you're trying to tell. And I think that comes again, like you said, to the filming schedule, which is like, right, move fast, fast, fast. So that they probably some of the continuity of dialogue probably gets lost. But when you watch, I mean, I also wonder. Go ahead. It's when you watch it with the critical eye, it becomes a little bit more obvious that there's some of the problems that they're facing. Yeah, and let's be fair. I mean, and we do this when we talk about Twilight Zone um, on Patreon that. Mm. You know, it's only fair to point out these were not expected to be perused all yeah. these, you know, uh, more than half a century later by yeah. people, you know, uh, <laughs> analyzing every line of dialogue and capable of rewinding and watching every prop flop around. In high definition. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it occurs to me that, to your point, that um, the, yes, in a show that is talky, it seems to me that, you know, at least to my current sensibilities, that a lot of that conversation could go to, you could make something just as talky that really underlined or accented exactly these kinds of dramas, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're pointing out, um, you know, the, you know, depiction of the care for the elderly. Uh, it would be very easy to have the doctor, you know, bring that up and sort of complain about, you know, right, you come to me when you need poison, you know, yeah. but, you know, otherwise, you know, I, I don't feel useful. And especially, like, I mean, Susan, like you said, they, you know, they're, like, kind of surprised at her refusing to marry uh, the perfect victim, and then they sort of move on. Um, it, it seems to me that it would be more interesting to uh, to have them comment on those things and sort of wrestle with how we understand history and our own our own biases but this is especially true with barbara and the sort of human sacrifice thing Mm. it's one of the things i mean of course coming at it today right i mean the idea that a great civilization would destroy itself first of all I'm, i'm not convinced at all that i mean while the excesses of human sacrifice uh of the asset are shocking uh, when you you read about them, quite astounding, and the the notion of controlling the weather and the crops while well, that goes back mm. to primitive humanity seems so dumb. To, yeah. You know, to although I say this and people pray for rain to this day, um, but uh, but it seems the idea of a great civilization falling does that not apply to 20th century British civilization or indeed to the post-enlightenment Western experiment, 
that's sort of that's not going to be important, right? <laughs> that is not what this show exists to do. No, and that's it. Like, yeah, it's not there to to probe those deeper things. And the other thing as well, you say sort of like you know, well, she, Barbara. Uh, has these conversations with Ortlock, who's the is the high priest, continually, and she actually does propose, or she she sort of you know prophesies that the fall of the the empire due to um, like you say out of control human sacrifice, and she says at one point like you know I can foresee a day when ten thousand people are sacrificed to make it rain or whatever, and you are oh my god that's shocking, but I, I also know that the, you know the conquistadors are going to have a a bit of a contribution, contributing factor <laughs> in the downfall of the Aztecs, not just that human sacrifice. So as a historical yeah. teacher, you're sort of going partway through going like, maybe you should say, do you know what? When some gold-seeking uh, outsiders come, avoid them. <laughs> right. You know how I showed up as a white woman and you thought I was yeah, a goddess? Yeah. Don't do that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Please. Yeah. White, yeah. white is bad. Yeah. We're, we're, don't think we're demonic. Uh, you know, that would be the thing to get into their minds if you really want to save them. I thought about that too. Like, how is human sacrifice going to save them? That's not how they fell. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing. I was like, yeah, because she keeps talking about the fall of this thing. I was like, oh, you're not gonna call, you're not gonna talk about Western expansion. All right, fine. We're not gonna, we're not gonna talk about the sort of like, you know, the gold, uh, the disease, the 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 genocide. All within the next forty, yeah, all within the next forty years of when this story is supposed to have taken place. So, like, you know, it's That's also, it, I mean, quite a whitewashing of, yeah. of you oh, know, yeah. European history. Right. Like, you know, you know, those those civilizations that we conquered, they fell due to their own flaws and brutality. And well, we are the civilizing force. That's totally what this say, is. But, no, right. that's totally what this is. Like, and you know, let's be clear, British audiences in the 60s were not, I'm not sure they're ready now, but like they were not ready to be like, you know, yeah, you, you know, we may have had a bit of a hand, but Spain had a much bigger hand in, in this. But, you know, you can apply this to India or you know, parts, great parts of Africa, uh, Australia, and, you know, uh, the Fiji, you know, those sort of Caribbean islands, um, all gone. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, Polynesian, you know, culture only survived by the sort of like, you know, by a thread because of how we treated them like hundreds of years ago. It's, you know, I don't think they were quite ready for that um, mirror to be held up uh, to be sort of like the doctor going back, you know, which happens now. Like, you know, it, right. it, I think it happened even later in classic um, Doctor Who. But at this point, they weren't ready for this sort of, like you say, kindly sort of like slightly curmudgeonly old man to be like, yes, this empire will be brought down by you, you white bastards. <laughs> so like, right. You you humans did this. Yeah. And specifically humans who looked like you. And, and of course, I say this in a country that's currently fighting over so-called <laughs> critical race theory, because if you now there's a backlash against saying these things. You know, so I guess I have to point out, like, this doesn't mean Western civilization is horrible or that, no. you know, indeed, if the Aztecs had developed not, you know, the wheel and sailed toward Europe, if they had been, you know, if they had done that, it's not as if the Aztecs would have been, you know, a paragon of uh, yeah. Yeah. 20th century uh, humanity. It's just this is the way it worked out factually. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, you know, we have these characters, like you say. And one of the things I hold 
most as, a, as an interesting comment in this is when they do highlight that there are two sides to the society and that's true of everything like you know yes mm-hmm. i'm talking about the conquistadors and the horrible things they did yeah but you know the spanish did an awful lot of other stuff as well you know art literature sort of you know other parts of their culture and the same for the british like you know mm-hmm. we hold up so so francis drake as this you know noble character in history and you go yeah 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 what was he tra- what was he transporting on some of his ships yeah Right. Let's not let's not look below deck at the cargo, but let's talk about how he saved us from the Ahmad or how he did this or how he did that. Like you know, it's it's always going to be those things. Um, it, there's always two sides to everything. Like everything has a light and a dark side. And so, uh, you know, I just wish it would have been slightly braver to sort of have those conversations as well. Yeah, and even, and even you know, it's worth pointing out that even the bad stuff. I mean, even when there's no you know, school building and you know, and of course the school board buildings, you know restricted native languages mm-hmm. but i mean even when there isn't you know mass sanitation efforts and, and things like this that, that could be you know laudable um you know when we talk today about these cultures they have been influenced by colonialism in ways that uh define their identity and that you know present day uh indians present day i mean mm-hmm. if you talk to somebody who is uh christian in you know south america you know <laughs> there it's not yes there's an acknowledgement that you know the conquistadors were practicing genocide on the other hand i believe in a god that i was my ancestors were introduced to so we have complex relationships mm-hmm. and it is that complexity that I, I they sort of try to get a little bit of that with the Aztecs, but the, you're right not willing to well, you yeah. know, turn that turn that gaze back to yourself uh hannibal yeah exactly yeah but you know if you if the writer of this had presented a script that was that's like, <laughs> that was really sort of like got into the like you know the really sort of like you say the murky edge of this um which is difficult and is difficult. like i'm not entirely sure the 60s bbc would have been like we're gonna make this i think very much they'd have been like can we just have them drinking tea and you know have a slight argument about this or that like I, yeah it's not what the television these shows were, were designed to do um at this time L- luckily those things have changed i think you know over time i think there's been a lot more uh willingness to, to address these topics or these issues and, and discuss them um but this like you said this was children's entertainment i think and children's trying to be educational without sort of going like you know too far into sort of um the darker reaches of history could have been interested you know monday morning little johnny comes into school and, uh, you know, sort of like eight-year-old Johnny comes in to teach, excuse me, miss, what's colonialism? <laughs> Did we, can we talk about genocide today? <laughs> not, I'm not sure they'd be ready for that in, in, in sort of 60s schools. I could be wrong. Any, of the, any, you know, any people that were in school in the 1960s, if you're listening, get in contact. Was it, you know, how, how was certain history, were certain histories taught at that point? I'd be fascinated to know. Um. It does seem more interested in establishing, yes, the Aztecs had cocoa, which is quite right. You know, mm. I mean, you know, quite famously so that but that sort of thing is more interesting than asking any of these deep yeah. questions. Right? Yeah, this is this is for, for all intents and purposes. This is primary school level, you know, uh, information wrapped up in a, an entertaining show. However, I, I actually want to talk about the Aztec characters. Mm-hmm. Um and so you get sort of three primary characters. 
Um, you get Ortlock, who is the high priest, who is the sort of like um, uh, benevolent sort of Aztec sort of character. Uh, um, Latoxel, who is the sort of the scheming one, which I definitely want to talk about. And then Ixter, who is not particularly a bad guy, but clearly sort of trapped in this warrior mentality. Um, and so has to have these these uh, you know has to live a certain style of life and has to keep proving himself to be the ultimate warrior so which is quite again is interesting before we get into anything about the actual character thing the guy who plays latoxel who is the scheming um thing like i think he was auditioning for richard the third throughout <laughs> all of this <laughs> Like at points, it was like, was, I swear, he was just sort of like, now you talk, sir, is the time of our discontent. Like he was, re- he limped, he has a hunch. Like he's really oh, going okay. for that kind of like, that sort of like, st- what I consider to be the stereotypical Richard III mm. <laughs> Shakespeare character. Um, I kind of like it. I kind of dug it. <laughs> but it was, it was also kind of funny as well to watch. I don't know if it stood out to you at all. I didn't, I didn't think about that. But now that you mention it, that's quite right. <laughs> Yeah, he just he just looked. He probably has even played it. Like you know, he had that sort of like the the, the long curly hair and all the other bits. So I was like, oh, well, you have, you are so tapping into um, a character tra- character trait that you are comfortable with playing the villain. Um, you know, like it's it's and again, it ad- advertising or you know clearly sort of like um, highlighting who's going to be the villain of the piece um by st- stepping on it's like and i am this character and you will sort of like you know if you you know we can't have mustaches to twirl in this episode but i'm gonna give you this sort of villainy traits um but i loved him i think he's great i really enjoy the toxel throughout all of this like his scheming and his sort of like thing it's all um his villainy is is, is a lot of fun yeah i go on just you enjoyed the fact that he was sort of uh such a fun bad guy it's oh yeah, like, yeah like he's yeah yeah he's yeah he's he's yeah he's he's a bit campy it's, it's clearly a bit panto like it's what the it's what the show the the because nobody else is sort of going there mm. um ortlock mm-hmm. is 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 you know is, is playing very straight the doctors and the character those characters are playing there so to have this sort of like villain, like you know, like you say, this this sort of campy sort of like super like you say arch villain is he he just brings a sort of like a certain charm to to everything he's in, you know, when he's sort of leaning in and scheming, and he's like, you know, in his backhanded moments of like when because Barbara, uh, sorry Susan, when she does refuse to marry, is going to be punished, mm-hmm. and and so that you know there is that thing, and um, Barbara says they, they refer to him as her servants because she's obviously you talk to this girl, and she's like, and bring my handmaid, and she's oh she will be there, <laughs> and it's it's all that kind of stuff. I'm like oh, I'm loving this. This is brilliant. Like you know, it's it's sort of it's it just gives it an energy that like if he wasn't doing that, I think this would be a lot more dry. Mm. Um, and uh, it's uh, yeah, it, it just brings something I think was needed. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Uh... I do see that. I did like that. But I, I think that I was put off by the fact that he is the high priest of sacrifice mm. and that he instantly takes this position and is like, you know, yeah, that's not Yatoxa. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, the sort of I'll talk, you know, sort of versus the priestess. And, and, and it sort of perpetuates this idea that, you know, the good and the bad of Aztec society, but in, you know, 
that he's the embodiment of you know, human sacrifice is wrong. And of course, the guy in charge of that is going to be the scheming Iago yeah. sort of, uh, yeah. character. <laughs> Whereas I think, you know, I mean, uh, of course, I, you know, it's not fair to rewrite a show from this era. But I mean, I'll talk seems is more interesting to me, especially in those moments where he's talking to Barbara and he seems conflicted and he seems, yeah. you know, like, yes, you are changing things. I have faith in you. My religion tells me to follow you. And I kind of believe that you're Yatoxa, but still have doubts. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you say these things, I will implement them, but I'm scared to, I mean, I'm confused by if he really does believe that she's the goddess, why he doesn't just say, yes, I'll come out against human sacrifice and come what may, right? Let the chips fall where they may. But I quite like seeing, I mean, he's sort of the standout for me of sort of seeing him struggle with this historical imposition that Barbara represents. Yeah, I know what you mean. He he has got some interesting conflicts. And I, I, I also like things because one of the comments he makes is around that the people aren't ready mm, for mm-hmm. this because she's going to make some proclamation and he's like yeah i'm not sure that anyone's ready for this like it's a real hard stop of like you know so, you know because she calls out like killing people for to ch- like you said to change the weather or for crops and she said you know she basically said like it's silly it's ridiculous like we're going to stop mm-hmm. it and he's a bit like well trust in what you're saying because you are your toxa I'm not sure how it's going to go down with, you know, I say the, the hundreds of people, thousands of people that live in the Aztec Empire. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting that his position isn't just of his own faith. It is actually almost defending the the system of faith that they have within this entire. Because, again, if you were to do that, you know, like if, if she, and this is an interesting another interesting point. Like she's like from her point of view, she's like, no, just stop it. Stop doing it. It's wrong. If you were to do that, like it would tear that society apart, because you would have people going like, like Latox, or going like, no, the old ways are the right ways. We've been doing it for like hundreds of years. This is how the elders did. This is how we commune with the gods. Like, this is what keeps us safe. And there's others that go, yeah, no, I can see what you're saying, but like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't just because a god tells you that, like, you know, mm. it, 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 yeah, it, he's obviously trying to act as that balancing between you know what could end up being chaos weirdly could bring down the society that she's trying to protect yeah or or also i i think about the imposition of monotheism in ancient egypt you know which Mm. caused tremendous social disruption and was violently uh led to a violent return to tradition yeah that would probably be more likely than a permanent end to human sacrifice um and it's not just human sacrifice. She also declares that people shouldn't be punished for rules that they did not know, right? She mm. she mm. imposes some other sort of morality. Yeah. Uh, I, I, actually, again, again, I sort of like that, because this goes what to the toxins doing as well. That's a great point. She does, and she talks about, yeah, when punished, I think that's when Susan's going to be punished. And they make out a point, they're like, you're a god? How do you not know these rules? And this is what mm-hmm. it keeps going back to this conflict of, like, you know, are you really your toxa or not? And she keeps doing things like that where you're like, yeah, you're not helping your case. Like, mm-hmm. But the doctor keeps telling her these things. Like, basically, he's saying, like, shut up. Like, 
all we want to do is open this tomb to get back to the TARDIS and leave. For now, they think you're Toxa. Live the dream, enjoy the figs, and just shut up. Uh, but she can't. Yeah. Like She wants to sort of help, doesn't she? She wants to try and make better this society. Yeah, I mean, I was going to point out that the sort of separated from the TARDIS can't get... I mean, the TARDIS is such a sort of deus ex machina that, you know, you could... You know, I, I, I'm always bothered by the fact that they never use the TARDIS to go back earlier in the episode and prevent, you know, like, you have a time machine. No, not just that, but you can transplant, transport yourself into outer space anywhere in time, get a weapon or what you need and return. And so Doctor Who plots, not all of them, but very most of them rely upon some sort of separation from the TARDIS or inability to use this ultimate device. Mm. Um, and that is especially obvious here um but if you were going to redo this you would sort of have that be the central problem of getting back to the tardis and you would have barbara you know mistaken for uh you know discovering that she is seen as a goddess saying no i have a responsibility here i have an opportunity here i've been given power and with great power comes great responsibility mm. i can stop this abhorrent practice and you'd have more discussion of, right, is that your job? Is that, you know, and I mean, I think the doctor, while he sort of says, you can't stop it, it's not, it doesn't come off as, and I don't think it, it should for, for the Hartnell doctor, come off as a sort of moral position. Mm -hmm. It's not like, it's wrong to, you know, this is the violation of the prime directive of time, right? It's not so much that, it's just, yeah, you can't do that. It's not going to work out. Yeah, yeah. I do like that, that every time, sort of, because his pre sort of uh, uh, preoccupation is getting back to the targets, trying to find a way into that tomb. But every time she sort of says it, like he is flatly like, "Don't do that. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't don't do that." I'm telling you, like it's not going to work out. And then he leaves again. Um, and so I do like that, like you said, that it's it's there's different. Um, yeah, this this serial is has got several different sort of strands. Um, and sometimes it does sort of like, you know, I feel a little bit too much. Um, but it is interesting how they're trying to sort of like, they're trying to give them something to do. Because again, I, I should say, we should point out, one of the things I will point out is this is a 50 50 cast, you know, two women, two men. But this uh, this series is, is predominantly the two teachers. Like the doctor and Susan do very little throughout this. And. You know, Hartnell does some things, he sort of he ends up getting engaged, and it's sort of there's some moments that are quite funny. But by and large, he doesn't do a, a great deal. You know, he's not the sort of the the protagonist, like you say, that this is where they realize that the doctor is the is the um the engine through which the episodes occur, but the the, the access characters are always the companions. Like you are following these companions as your sort of like entry pieces. But but Barbara's probably is, is probably the the main focus, which is interesting. Yeah, and I think that um, you know this is worth pointing out that the it's one thing that I think Davies did exceptionally brilliantly when he revived the show was to make mm. Rose really the main character and the audience identification figure, and to and to you know, but that that was not true through most of the old show. 
through mm. most of the, by, you know, by the time you get to Baker, you know, it's the Doctor Who show, right? You yeah. know, I mean, he's the main character. And here, you know, because of their ages, the teachers are the sort of classic ages for protagonists. Mm. Um, and so it's really their show. Uh, and the show hasn't really figured out yet that, you know, uh, the doctor is the main character. And then once you figure that out, you've got to make him funny and more likable. But I, I quite like the, it, you know, you know how much I like sort of alien unlikable characters and, and, yeah. and whatnot. I love the Hartnell doctor for that reason. Although by this point, that's already softened quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, he's not as just mean as he is <laughs> in the early serials. Um, but I, but I want more with him, right? Like, isn't his like he seems so unbothered by leaving uh is a kamesa kamika mm. um he seems so unbothered by leaving her and he like realizes that he's accidentally proposed to her and then when he does leave he says i'll think about her all the time well she's never going to be referenced again yeah you know yeah um but there is like there again there is an opportunity for sort of like Jean-Luc Picard classic plot of sort of like falling in love on the planet mm. as despite being an older man and that we could easily do this today and have that be a fascinating narrative but this show's not especially interested no no it's it's it, as you say like it's it's used to facilitate the plot to some extent and is in some comedy relief yeah. And that's about it, really. Um, but you're right. Like, yeah, the, well, the Doctor's just not central to this at all, is he? Like, right. You know, he, he's not the one that solves the problem. Um, and um, it's actually Ian who goes, you know, finds out about the, well, they've, they've got the tunnel, then they go through the tunnel and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's not, <clears throat> he's not the one that sort of now, he'd whip out the, the sonic screwdriver, scan it over the tomb and be like, oh, okay, well, there's a, there's a tunnel here. We, and the vibrations tell me there's a tunnel up there. We've got to find that tunnel. And that would be the driving force for them to get to these locations. Here, they sort of stumble across it when they learn information from Ixter's father was the, was the stonemason that created the tomb and all these little bits and pieces. So, like, yeah, he's not... He's not the sort of Deus Ex Machina that he has. He, he later becomes, and I do kind of like that. But I, I like you say, but I also like the fact that like he just breezes through this. Like he is, he's like, yeah, I'll spend some time in this garden. It's all right. I'll, I'll do some horticulture and I'll uh, drink some cocoa and uh, you know invent the wheel. Um, <laughs> and these little bits and pieces, and I, I do like that, that. That that's what happens. But yeah, I, I wanted more time with him to get to know yes. this doctor, and I think that tells me I've got to watch more of the the Hartnell years. Um, but the, the the point I want to sort of stress is like this is a sixty show with a with a um, an educated, proactive female character, yes, taking a lead. And I was a little bit surprised about that. That like that because again, like you say, that changes. If you go to, we, they often talk about in in classic Doctor Who, we're going to get to Ace, okay, in, in with the seventh Doctor, mm -hmm. we're going to get to Ace, right. But before that, like you got, you did get some, but you get some terrible companions. Mm -hmm. um, Peter Davison and Sylvester McCoy had, and I forget her name now; it's going to drive me nuts. But like the redhead with the, the big red hair, um, 
and there are Doctor Who fans screaming at me now to listen to this. But she was known for doing a, a show when she was a kid called Just William, and she was just sort of like, you know, I'm going to scream and scream and scream, and that's all she seems to do as the companion. And you're just like, why have yeah. you? Why do they keep you around? Like you're useless. Um, but these seem capable and informed and educated. And you're like, yeah, I can see why the Doctor would go. Oh, you'd be interesting to travel through time with. Let's go and have some adventures. Um, and I thought that was interesting that they are the women are shown as capable. It's not just we've got to save them constantly. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm sort of partial to um, there's a, the female time. I for, again, Doctor Who fans will yell at me, although I'm American, <laughs> so I have immunity. The 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 female Time Lord uh, companion, uh, what's her name um, from later Doctor Who? I thought Ron. that was an interesting. The Ronnie. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, you're right. I hear, again, you know, sort of like the the companions are the main characters. The mm. doctor is sort of a doddering guy. It, you know, they're like, he, you know, uses the TARDIS, but doesn't yeah. do that much. I mean, I think you're quite right that it's it would be fascinating to see more of him in the garden and see, and see more of him just kind of like, yeah. I'm sort of enjoying hanging out here and having cocoa, you know, with this with this woman. Um, but it's amazing how much you're right that he doesn't drive or solve or even attempt to drive or solve the plot. I mean, he basically says to Barbara, you're impersonating a god. That's fine. Don't get rid of human sacrifice. It's not going to work out. But then he's quite content to go back to the garden. And in fact, he, if anything, he slows down the plot by giving uh, Ixta this poison that's going to defeat yeah. Ian in a fight um, that almost gets Ian killed. He he sort of retards the progress of the plot much more than he takes charge in any way. Yeah, that's an interesting point, because the whole thing is, so he's looking for these these manuscripts that detail um, the, how the tomb was built and any access points so they can get to the TARDIS. And you find that Ixta is the son of the stonemason that that created it and so yeah he the doctor thinks he's being he's being cunning but he's not he's being played like yeah. and that never happens like later like the doctor is the one that's always in control and in this one like he gets played for a bit of a tit like the guy's like mm-hmm. yes no i shall bring this into but i need to do this thing like at no point does he, does he go there's only him and ian that are left as contenders for this role of general of the aztec armies I wonder who he's fighting. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a hidden answer. Like, he should, he should come yeah. up with this. Yeah, he's like, yeah, here's this poison. This will sort of put them to sleep. <laughs> and he's like, yes, I shall bring you those manuscripts. And then later on, even he like Ixta acknowledges there are no manuscripts. I just lied. Yeah. And he's just like, oh right, the doctor was made like look like a fool. Like, it's not the doctor I'm used to. Yeah, and not only not only are there two people vying for uh, being general there, but also there are like seven characters in this entire <laughs> serial, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm exaggerating. I mean, there may be nine or something, but um, right, it, it should not be a great mystery. Um, but I, I do kind of, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I I like the meaner Hartnell of the earlier mm. stuff, I, and I I like the sort of, you know curmudgeon-y, meaner, but but I do like the sort of doddering nature of this, that it's so different from what we're used to, and it's such not a 
Harrison Ford style protagonist, you know. No. And that, that meanness has actually has almost always stayed though. That it's almost like one of the things they acknowledge is that the, the doctor in all just talking classic iterations now mm-hmm. has all, all you know all future iterations to a varying degree will have that um temper or curmudgeonliness or like you know not they don't suffer fools gladly um and it almost becomes like the Hartnell sort of sets that template of like oh no no there's that thing of like he is fun and likes the adventure but like you know in a crisis, like yeah, he's not going to suffer fools. Like he's going to get annoyed, and like if you if you if you say something daft, like he's going to call you on it. And my expectation is to continue seeing that played out in some of the doctors. I think that's true. I I, I but I think Hartnell was able to. Uh, it's less visible here, but I think Hartnell was able to be unlikable to take yeah. that. You know, I mean, whereas by the time you get to like Baker, you know, Baker is yeah, he doesn't suffer fools, and occasionally he is a little insensitive to his companion, you know, Sarah Jane or whomever, but not too much, you know, he's he's, he's pretty likable and you get to, you know, obviously we'll get to some of the more silly doctors who, you know, um, yeah, I mean, are very, are more goofy than unlikable. Hartnell is an alien who is just not concerned. Even here, he's not concerned for what the others think of him. Mm. And I love that. I think that's, you know, it's sort of like, yeah, they are hitching a ride in the TARDIS. They're having their adventure. But, you know, they're kind of, you know, bumbling through this. But, you know, he doesn't seem to, he feels a responsibility to Susan, his granddaughter. But he doesn't seem to really care all that much. No, he doesn't. No, no. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he clearly feels almost like, well, I'm going to be all right, you know. Um, and then like you know yeah there is is a lack of care or sympathy or empathy with some of the companions um i want to get to the finale then i want to get to the last episode because of this the the way this sort of um reaches its climax and one of the the sort of the stories we haven't talked about is ian's and so ian is is drafted into the army it becomes a a sort of a, a contest between him and Ixter as who is going to lead this ad who's going to become who's going to become an Aztec general um and what you find out is that, that Ixter is actually was already the winner <laughs> he'd sort of conquered or defeated seven other people and then Ian was thrown in because he is the servant of a god um and so it's sort of then they have to fight and there's all this sort of like you know machinations and, and stuff back and forth um and you get a couple of fight scenes. They are terrible. Like, <laughs> and again, like, you know, th- this is one of the things I always find, like you say, this was filmed very quickly. And one of the things it's quite clear that they're trying to avoid is injury. Cause they're like, don't get hurt. Cause that'll stop us filming the next scene. Mm. Um, but they're trying to make it look like they're sort of like, you know, decking each other and stuff. Um, and it, 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 it routinely looks awful. Uh, the fighting does. But I, I never I never really think of Ixter as a bad guy. Like They try and hold him up. Mm. But it's like, I completely understand his frustrations. He was like, no, no, I'd won this. And that you're literally putting somebody else in front of me now that I've got to defeat. And all I, this is what I've been bred for. Like My entire life has led to this. And now this pasty looking pillock has been put in front of me. Like, you know, 
I, I just feel I, I kind of empathize with his position and frustration and stuff. Um, and obviously he's not, you know, they, they show him as being he's a warrior, not a thinker sort of thing, because he gets manipulated throughout. Um, but I, I, I sort of think Ian doesn't always come across as the best guy in this because he's sort of like, but he gets like it's going to be to the death eventually. But even he, he comes across, like you say, they're trying to portray this sort of like Harrison Ford. Like he's a really good example, Han Solo kind of character. But at other times, he just comes across like a bit like um, of a prick. In all, in all honesty, well, he humiliates him, uh, he humiliates Ixter, and then he sort of like you know they have this sort of back and forth and all these other bits and pieces, and then Ixter sort of like tries to set him up, and I'm like, yeah, you could have handled this a lot better. <laughs> Like, if you hadn't engaged in this and said to it, because like, yeah, no, I, I don't want this. Like, I honestly don't want to be the general of the armies. Like, you know, you are the true one, but I, don't, I want to come to a resolution without conflict. Like, they could have had an interesting conversation there about how to resolve this without conflict. Like, how does a warrior gain a victory without having to kill someone? All of that comes to now because Ian kills him at the end anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. Although I would say, like Indiana Jones and Han Solo, part of their charm is that they are a little bit of a dick. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's sort of programmed into the sort of white Tarzan, you know, sort of adventurer. I mean, I, I don't think that uh, William Russell as as Ian sort of pulls it off quite that well. And I, I think he does seem sort of. Yeah, he's supposed to be that sort of adventurer, but he does seem sort of oddly passive. And yeah. even in that fight with Ixta, it's like, oh, well, I mean, he's so good. He just trounces Ixta. It's yeah. like there's no competition. <laughs> this random British teacher just doesn't easily defeat the strongest warrior of the Aztecs. It's absurd, not just the fights, but I mean, when they have that fight, Ian throws Ixta over and over again. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just crystal clear this is a one-sided battle. In the most ridiculous of ways. So even the choreography is ridiculous, mm. but what the choreography is trying to portray is is doubly ridiculous. Yeah. But then Ian seems you're right about not having that conversation. Like Ian just seems to accept, oh, you know, this turned into a fight to the death. I was told this wasn't going to be that. He's totally fine. No questions need to really be asked about that. Um, there's an odd way in which you know, he's he's passive, even though he does sort of warn Barbara about, you know, the poison and he he does go through the uh, the tunnel and find the get back to the uh, the TARDIS. He does seem oddly sort of passive to me, despite him being sort of the main adventure character. Yeah, well, that, that's what I mean. Like you say, when you talk about like, you know, we talk about Harrison Ford playing those characters like he has that rugged charm that allows him to pull it off you need and again we, we're talking sort of hollywood stars here but like, you know the, the kind of people you can either have that rugged charm like um ha, you know harrison ford or you got you, you have a cocky smarminess like a young bruce willis where you can pull that kind of thing off you know sort of um it's done with a swagger and a sort of thing and you know even i would say um i don't you know it was a similar period is um the avengers of the, of the 60s um i forget the guy the actor's name but like you know he plays steel in that steed you know he plays he plays the sort of the the, the 
that same thing, that Bond esque kind of quality, where you sort of like you can pull it off. Like, yeah, you're you're a bit of a meanie, and you're a bit of a dick, but we I want to follow you because you've got that charm and that swagger. And Ian just does come across like a sort of a geography teacher that I'm like, yeah, you're just, you're just a teacher. Like I've got no. And um, but the conflict I sort of find I, I, by the end of this, I was a little gobsmacked because they've gone back and forth. And at one point, they even say how they respect each other. You know, mm. like they, they get they reach a thing of respect, and then it comes to a fight at the end. Ian knows they're leaving. Like mm-hmm. He literally right, and they could they, again. I was I'm surprised by this because this is where my uh, experience of Doctor Who comes from much later. This idea is like, wait a minute, give me two minutes. I've just got to kill this guy. <laughs> I'll be there in a second. Like, first, the Doctor should be interceding to say. We're leaving. There's no point. This this is pointless. You're killing someone for no reason. Mm-hmm. Where like he could eat like you know Ian should easily just should lay down the weapon and be like I'm leaving. I I rescind any claim to the to the to, to the general position. You are clearly the better warrior, and leave. And that should be this sign of respect. Mm-hmm. But no, it's like. The, the whole thing Barbara's like been going up like, trying to get off like first you see the guy being sacrificed off screen like you see a hint of like what's going to happen like you don't see blood don't worry it's just the BBC um, but then like, you do see him push this guy off the edge of a, a pyramid mm, mm-hmm. and I was a little bit shocked that like he then gets in the thing and they're like well we're off now yes that, that's, yeah, and it, and that it shocked me need... I mean I felt like I I sort of I like because I like the backdrops, you know, I, yeah, I like good. seeing Ixta pushed off, but you're quite right. It, it, it serves no real function except, you know, to give it a bit of drama. And I sort of felt like it's almost as if the writers and the producers, I mean, they, they clearly, you know, I, I think sometimes we remember things even about our own scripts and our own stories incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they clearly remember this as the great Ian Ixta feud, you know, that, you know, one of them is going to win. We've got to resolve that and and show that. And it's not going to be satisfying to just have Ian say, right, I'm off. Bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your life. Uh, you know, you're a cool guy. You know, try not to get fooled so much next time. Yeah, well. The, the the two things again. I know I always do this, and I apologise. But like, firstly, like, why is Barbara not when he comes on the Tardis being gone? Hang on, did 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 you just kill that guy? Yeah, like Barbara should really have a problem with this. Um, and secondly, like, if you really wanted to show, because no one else is around, like, no one else is there, um, you know, to see this fight. And to be fair, this is the only fight they actually they film quite well. It's shot from above at an angle down and there's a couple of moments where it looks all right the rest of the choreography is dreadful because they, they they have these like wooden paddle sword things that they clearly aren't allowed to hit each other with yeah. and so they are sort of making great pains to not hit each other and it's hilarious to watch but a better way to do this would actually be if you want a really shock ending is have x to win and instead of killing Ian, he's like, I'll let you go. Mm. You are you, you will leave and will never come back. I claim this is a victory. I become the general. And the doctor's like, Yeah, get in the TARDIS, you prat. Come on, let's go. That would actually be that would be the end of a modern Doctor Who. Maybe. Right. And it, it, I don't know, it just felt so sort of like left field that they're just like, before we go, we are just gonna kill some Aztecs. <laughs> right. And you know, of course, 
today we'd wonder like, well, how does history change if you take Ixta out of it? Out. Right? Yeah. I mean, he is the the he was clearly going to to lead the military. Um, because yeah. of Ixta, there was no one there to stop the conquistadors, and so the Aztec Empire fell. Therefore, the end of the Aztec Empire was down to Ian. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's Ian's fault, really. Yeah. But you know, it does strike me that there, there's this sort of move toward identifying with the other right mm-hmm. and and that's that's part of what of course this this counter revolution is doing now with critical race theory and you know objecting to take your politics out of my comics and all of this stuff but you know there is in, in the same way that like we've talked about stuff in the in the, the 50s and the 60s where we should be identifying with the robots. We should be identifying with those aliens. We're not expected to in this era. (laughs) Today, they're the main characters, right? They're absolutely what's interesting and and the good Mm. guys. And there's an ability to allow that sort of graze of morality. If, If Ixta was the good guy there and said, go ahead and go, right? I've defeated you in combat. Well, I mean, that would defeat the whole agenda right the whole agenda is that um you know these white britishers are superior and are instantly going to be embraced as a god and ian uh can beat the strongest uh warrior right i mean to suddenly make you identify with the other and make that character of the other um superior right not just like i'll talk sort of interesting and having some interior space having a head um but to really show that oh they ixta could be superior not just noble but superior would sort of that's unthinkable in this the universe of this serial right yeah and i think you know there's an irony to this because i've talked about 20th century people being sent back to to promote and overlaying their sensibilities and moralities to the aztecs I'm doing my 2022 sensibilities and realities on a 1964 TV show. And so you are totally right. You have to take it for what it is and for when it was made. Um, Because, yeah, there's no way they were going to, you know, like you said, like there's no way they're going to talk about the sort of the murkiness of, um, you know, the introduction of the conquistadors or uh, the great expanse of actually how complex and um sophisticated this uh society was um or like say make them sure that they are noble and they have these things like you know because the, the, the i'm pretty sure Aztec warriors did have a nobility and sort of place in society yeah they don't want to talk about any of that they want to talk about they've got to narrow it down for the show but also like you say there's this thing of like i i, I you know, I hate the phrase, and I know it's a derogatory term, but this idea of like the noble savage, you know what I mean? It's that thing of like, oh no, no, they they are they are backwards and they come from five hundred years ago when things were all kinds of crazy. Um and so yeah, it, it, I see what you're saying. It's it's you know, they couldn't they couldn't and they weren't ready for that kind of uh, character. Right. Well and, and the other thing is if you I mean if you do that, I mean and I've done the same thing of imposing twenty twenty two values. But if you do that, then the thing that always gets me about Doctor Who is, you know, the doctor, whether he's a Time Lord or, you know, or, or whatever version, is not going to have 20th century morality. In <laughs> other words, if, you know, I, I mean, 
coming from Gallifrey, uh, my morals perfectly align with uh, a 20th century British person. Um, You know, so if you condemn uh, human sacrifice, I mean, I live in a country that's still putting people to death, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, presumably somebody, you know, maybe, maybe not from a more enlightened culture would say, yeah, you're still doing this. You're claiming <laughs> that it's because of guilt as opposed to it's an honor to die to bring rain. But I'm not sure how different that really is, especially given our error rate over here. Um, and not to mention any number of other issues. You know, I mean, if you begin to poke too much and have Ixta really be the good guy, then it's like, right. Yeah, they're really backward because they won't let a woman determine who she wants to marry. I'm not human. You guys seem really backwards about women in a lot of other ways. I mean, we don't want to get into any of that in the 60s. No, exactly. Yeah. And it's not like you say, it's not ready for that. It's it's. And again, the the thing is, it wasn't that wasn't the intent of the show at all, was it? This was a token you know, f- fun history um, snapshot. You know, that's what the intention was. This was probably was designed more than anything. I can imagine that this show is originally designed to be, we will drip feed some information so that hopefully a kid will take an interest or a teacher will take an interest and it will spark a conversation and they'll read a book or they'll do a lesson on it or something like that. So, mm-hmm. I want to flip it around and go because we have, you know, we have picked fault. That's what we do. But also, like, like you said before, you you've got to admire the intent and the objective of what this show was at this point. You know, like it's it's not going to answer the really difficult questions, but for an eight year old or a ten year old, it's going to go. Especially like yeah, prepubescent boys are going to be like human sacrifice. What? Well, yeah, warriors. Oh, I want to know more about the Aztecs. You know, that's that's clearly like you know, and also this thing of like that female, they're, 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 their gods was a woman. Oh my god, that's crazy. You know, that sort of girls could be interested too. Like, I I like the fact that they have attempted to do something mm-hmm. um, that was different, and clearly is is you know was different to. Uh, um, TV up until then. I mean, I think that's what this period was. And I mentioned the Avengers before. You know, Miss, uh, Emma Peel and John Steed. Like that was another one. You know, th- there's this there's this period now where you do start to get these TV shows, and I think the Doctor sort of leads the way in that. Um, yeah, it's not it's not fair to put the the weight of all of the things that we expect from narrative onto <laughs> you know this designed to be disposable show from from the early sixties. You know, and and to your point, I mean, how ambitious was it to say, I I love that they said, well, we're going to give you the sci-fi. We're going to give you the Daleks, for God's sake. Yeah. Let's come on right, right at the right away. But um, I mean, it's the second serial. Mm. But, you know, we're also going to give these kids uh, an insight, at least some sort of depiction and a few facts and a story that revolves around these different cultures and different people of history. And, right, I mean, I can perfectly imagine exactly as you say, kids going into school, the, the, you know, um, the, the next day after each episode and, you know, sort of maybe the teacher 
discusses it. Um, and, uh, and, you know, um, the other thing is, so, so there is that educational aspect and the fact that, I mean, even trying to portray people of different races and cultures mm. is a noble thing. That is, you know, yes, it's not 2022. Yeah. There's no real interiority. It's not a full depiction like we'd expect now. But it is reaching out and trying to be really diverse, not just to teach history and, and blessed our teachers, you know, especially mm. history. But there is a diversity uh, that's a part of that and was always a part of that. And then I want to also say I can totally imagine kids as as lame as those fights are, right? If I were a kid watching this, I would I would have made a cardboard sword myself, yeah, and I would yeah. have gotten my brother, and we'd be fighting behind the couch, you know, uh, playing uh, Ian mm. and fighting the Ixta, you know, and maybe making a little um, uh, Aztec headdress or something, you know. And so there is a sense of, yes, there is an educational component here. There are things, diverse goals here that are awesome but there's also a sense of fun that even mm. if it's not as fun for us with our <laughs> modern special effects and quick pacing and, and everything you can imagine how cool this could have been to somebody at the time oh yeah no, no i i can imagine like yeah you say that like, you know eight-year-olds 12-year-olds or like just watching this and being like yeah this is cool like you know the, there's a there's a reason basically there's a reason that this ran from 1963 through to 1989 you know this um it lasted because it was it hit on a formula and it starts with this i mean you know we are going to be going from doctor to doctor and i think that's a sort of uh for us to lead into the to the end of this really is this idea of like yeah this whole concept starts here you know we we you know we're, yes we're not going to touch on new who um we i'm sure we will make certain comparisons but like, yeah, we, you know, we are about to, we now have a female doctor in Jodie Whittaker. We have incredibly diverse uh, companions and they are doing all kinds of things. The doc, Doctor Who is now sort of like, you know, ubiquitous across British culture. Like, you know, everyone knows who the doctor is. But it goes back to this show, this show in, 19, in early 1960s, trying to do something new. And for all the things I will fault the BBC for, I will not fault them for trying these things. And they do it all the time. And so you, you have got to applaud them for even the minuscule budget that they give this show, this sci-fi show, um, that, that clearly sort of like, you know, led the way in a lot of ways. Well, we, we love the BBC over here and I'll, and I'll do you, I'll do you one better. Um, you know, Doctor Who is not only a British cultural tradition, <laughs> but especially since the revived show has become an international part of mm -hmm. being in sci-fi culture, not of the status of Star Trek, Star Wars, you know, but, but up there with like Battlestar Galactica, you know, stuff that everybody knows of, even if they haven't really gotten into it yet. Um, nobody can go to a, you know, comics convention, a sci-fi convention, and not know of Doctor Who as an intellectual property. And, you know, while that is a side effect of the revived show and not the American mm. TV movie or, you know, the long-running <laughs> show, still, um, that's that's saying something. I mean, that's, that's yeah. really, um, it's rare 
we've talked how rare it is to have British uh, a sci-fi IP, you know, um, take over and that, you know, mm. have international success to this extent. And it does go back to this formula. And as crude as this is, as lacking as this is in pacing and budget and fight scenes and all of that, there's a skeleton of a damn good plot. There's a lot of love being thrown at the costumes and the central idea of this show, especially for me in the heart no years, is just really admirable. I love mm. this idea. You could imagine the same idea succeeding on American television as a cartoon in the 80s over the mm. kind of cartoons that I watched of like, you know, dumb karate kid nonsense, right? Here's a space adventurer and we're going to have interpose, you know, like fighting Klingon weird aliens. And then the next episode's going to be, you know, karate kid going to a different part of the world or something, you know, we would have loved that. Uh, I just think it's a great concept. It is. And uh, yeah, it, it, one of the things I'm interested in as I watch this and we will get to more so when we get to we sort of wrap up is the legacy of this show. And I would say not we've talked about New Who and it came back in like, you know 2005, 2006. But between 1989 when it ends and then there is still a legacy because this still touched on people. Like the reason Russell T Davis was able to pick it up was because he was such a fan. And the same with like Stephen Moffat. And there's you know you make there's people um, that are clearly you know big fans of it that's had such an impact on. But one one of the weird things as I was flicking through, I was going through the doctors. I was just picking out some bits and pieces. I was watching some Sylvester McCoy. I was going through before we watched this. And Quantum Leap jumped into my head. And it just hit me. I was like, Quantum Leap doesn't exist without Doctor Who. And I was like, I wonder how many of the TV shows. Because Quantum Leap is very 90s. I love Quantum Leap. Like, you know, Quantum Leap was, an, it was another one of those shows I watched when I was a kid. Like, but I was like, yeah, that show doesn't exist without Doctor Who. That whole concept of like traveling through time into different people's lives and the sort of the sci-fi being an avenue to actually talk about mm. social issues or racial issues or class issues or, you know, whatever. Like, I was like, oh, well, actually, this early Hartnell, it, 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 yeah, it, I don't know. It just sort of struck me quite. I was like, there must be more like I could probably sit and I'd have to think about it. But when we get to the end of this and we review back, that's something I really want to think about. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. And I, I think you see, I mean, I, I've been through lists of Doctor Who analogs. And mm. there are multiple Doctor Who analogs in the Marvel Universe, multiple in the DC Universe. In Star Trek, the next Star Trek, the next generation had the traveler that takes Wesley Crusher away. Right. I mean, um, you have. A lot of influence in shows, but you also have a lot of Doctor Who like characters, mm. um, and a, and a lot of people have referenced it. And I think that it is, it's a, it's a very different thing because it doesn't have like Star Wars. Everybody still thinks of the movie, you know, even though it's not a movie series, it's a TV mm. series. It occasionally does movies, but it's predominantly a TV series. But everybody points to that original film. As like, you know, this is the template. Everybody influ is influenced by that, right? Battlestar comes out of that. All this other stuff. Mm. Star Trek revitalization comes out of that. That influences so much. But there's a singular thing that was big budget, massive audience internationally. 
Doctor Who doesn't have that. Doctor Who has this slow burn on the BBC, you know, that it's very, there's no, you know, there's not even one, people will argue about it, but there's not even one serial or one story that you can point to and say, everybody's seen this. This is the definitive Doctor Who old school show. Yeah. Doesn't, you can argue about it, but it, there's not a single one. And yet Doctor Who has this outsized influence, <laughs> which I think is really fascinating. And it, and it's amazing to see how different it was in the Hartnell years and also how much was still there and how much they got right. Yeah, it's a germ of an idea. I, I like this idea. You say this germ of an idea. This 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 like you say this 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 thing that just sort of existed and and, and grows. Um, and one of the things is to, to round out is the Hartnell years were clearly successful for the BBC and reached such a level of popularity. There's actually a wonderful show, and there was a for its fiftieth anniversary. They did, or 55th anniversary, which was now, but I think 50th. They did a show, and I'm going to have to Google it now because it's really annoying that I've, I've can't forget, I can't remember what it was. But they did a show um, that was um, like a docudrama reenactment of them filming the last episodes of the Hartnell years. Um, and I'm going to have to find it. And because um, it was it's going to really bother me now. Um, I'll go into Doctor Who and I'll see if it's in there um, but what it was was basically um, it was, I, I can't believe I'm taking these bleeding notes, it's really annoying me now but it was here you go, <clears throat> more you might like Let's see if I can find it um, I'll tell you what, I can easily find it so it was the guy who plays it was the grumpy caretaker in uh, Harry Potter <laughs> plays William um, plays William Hartnell. Right, I'm going to find it now because I've got them, I've got them coming up now. Uh, bear with me, bear with me. This is terrible podcasting, but I'm going to find the damn thing because it's really important. Um, there we go. David Bradley, here he is. Right, and David Bradley's brilliant. And it's called. Bloody hell. An adventure in space and time. There it is. An adventure in space and time. There you go. Thank you. Apropos to discussing. our podcast. It is. Uh, it was one of the things that influenced the title. Um, and it's a, a dramatisation of the early years of Doctor Who from 1963. And it does. It follows through. And, and um, David Bradley plays William Hartnell. And it goes through to... Uh, it was released in 2013, yeah, 2013. So it was, it was the 50th anniversary, but it goes through to the end. And the thing is, obviously, he's getting older. He starts to forget his lines, and there is this discussion of what do we do with it? And you, you see all the behind the scenes. And I highly recommend this because it's incredible. It's incredibly well done. Um, <clears throat> but what they do is they get to the end, and they're like, actually, this is really, really popular. It's only William that can't. It's only Hartnell that can't do this anymore let's come up with this idea of the regeneration and they do and they obviously play, replace him with david troughton and um they have this moment at the end i'm gonna cry it's ridiculous how much it's affected me it was done by the mats during the matt smith years which is often when it was the 50th anniversary and they have a moment where it's like um david bradley sort of like stood there at the tardis counter and then matt smith's doctor appears you know like and it shows that bridge 
and you're like 50 years it's gonna be 60 years in a couple of years 50 years of doing this show and it just showed how important it was. And it was really impressive that they did this. And it was really touching. Even thinking about that, it gets me tears. That's something like Doctor Who. I'm British. I didn't watch it. <laughs> In our DNA, it's ridiculous. Um, but it's such a good show. Any Doctor Who fan, like I say, who hasn't seen it, if you're going through this, watch it. Because they then brought David Bradley back for a Christmas special because he did such a good job with Peter Capaldi. So when Peter Capaldi regenerated, he has, it's called The Two Doctors. It's an episode they did with that. And it, they have this episode where... Um, time freezes, and it's but it's a conversation between P- the the twelfth Doctor Peter Capaldi, and then the first Doctor, and this idea of letting go and, and moving on. And again, that was wonderfully well done. And it's really, but again, they sort of they get to look at each other's tardises. You know, you get to see this really like basic um, you know, version of the tardis that's obviously created for sixty three, and then it's like massively elaborate. Like version they have for for um, for Peter Capaldi, and there's some wonderful things of like you know well, why you've got so much. Unst- this is rather ostentatious for, uh, for for what you need and these things. It's brilliant, and they do that. You know they keep that use that heartnellness, that sort of curmudgeonliness, that slight that slight sort of like charming meanness. Um, and so it's clear that like say this character, this actor, it could have been throwaway. You know, 65 or 66, I think it lasts to. They sort of like, they could have happily just gone, yeah, well, we're done. We had a good run. It was a fun show. It was educational. We're done and dusted. Move on. And it would be talked about people like you and I, as we talk about Quatermass. If we even, if we even knew about it. If we even knew about it. If it, the BBC could have just eradicated it and it would be gone. But it doesn't. It, it lived on, and it starts with this. And it's like you say. We, you know, we may we we've poked fun, and we've we've you know we've we've sort of um, ridiculed it a little bit. But oh, I wouldn't it, say that. I mean, no, no. But yeah. we, we both love Doctor Who, and, and I mean, I think Doctor Who fans know that there are embarrassing elements of Doctor Who, and we oh, yeah. love it anyway, right? We, but, yes. But that's one thing that. I love about Doctor Who and, and, you know, I love about Doctor Who fandom at its best. There, is, there are some ugly sides of it, but Doctor Who fandom at its best is like an acceptance of, yes, we love this. We also know there are big problems with this and, and yeah. just some bad episodes and stuff. And, you know, and, but there is an embrace of that. That mm. there isn't in the same way in, like, say, Star Wars, where it's like, no, god damn it, it's all good, it's all good, and I will fight you, you know? Oh, yeah, it's either, it's either all good, or this is good, and the rest is dire, and must be destroyed. Yeah, you're right, there's, uh, I think Doctor Who fandom seems to be mostly welcoming, I'm sure there's been others that would disagree, but... Not over here, especially yeah. online, but yeah. that's, a, that's another time. Um, yeah. And we might get to that. Um, the the episode to mention, or the one I will mention, is called Twice Upon a Time. Uh, and it was released in 2017. And it was Peter Capaldi's last episode. Um, and that has David Bradley as the William Hartnell first Doctor. And it's absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed that episode. Um, but yeah, I, I do think do, doing this is going to be quite emotional. Because it's like looking at this and going like, yeah, these guys sort of like this this rinky dink show that shouldn't have existed or shouldn't have been a success was a success. And I think we talk about the writer of this show. You know, yeah, the pacing is, is, is you know, it's impacted by the way the TV was produced and had to fit four episodes. But like the guy was clearly 
passionate about Aztecs, and he put that into the mm-hmm. show. And the cast, like again, they could be like, oh, "Sorry, I've got to dress as what? I've got, I've got to do what? I'm sorry, I'm an actor. I don't do these kinds of things. I'm sorry." But no, they, they give it their all, and they do these things, and they wear the costumes, and they say these things. And I, I think, you know, I give them full props for having done that, um, and and creating these things. So it is important. Yeah, and and you know, while I've I've you know, said some critical things or, you know, I wouldn't say mocked or something. I mean, I would say Hartnell is is probably because of uh, some that dynamic. Hartnell's actually, at least currently, we'll see how it holds up to this rewatch. Hartnell's currently, <laughs> and has been for some time, uh, my favorite of the original Doctors. And I know mm. that's sacrilege, but I mm. love I love Hartnell. I love the curmudgeon really alien, you know, um premise and the and i just i'm a sucker for it um i love those those dalek serials and to your point about like i don't have quite the same nationalistic uh emotion but i love it and but i am very inspired and i think that all science fiction and all franchises should be inspired by the longevity of doctor who and, mm. you know, it'd be very easy to just reboot it and say, this stuff isn't in continuity. This stuff is embarrassing. We're going to get rid of this, you know, these episodes or get rid of this doctor. You know, we do that so much these days. I love that it's all in continuity. My biggest <laughs> problem is, you know, the, the new series is strayed from that. But uh, I just adore the idea of, keep going yeah you know if you love these your franchise keep going don't reboot it take another shot get stuff wrong have some laughable stuff in there it's still got good stuff but try keep trying and don't ever throw it out no i i agree i think i and that's one of the things i'm most impressed with with doctor who again we'll get to that because it was it stopped in 89 because of the new director of the bbc didn't like it we'll get to that story when we get to it but the thing about modern who, like, so when it came back, Eccleston, yeah, the first series doesn't really like it's. There's a there's a slight acknowledgement of of classic, but not much. It's very much like you know we're starting with something new. It doesn't really come in until later in David Tennant, really, that you start to have this thing of, um, you start to even get images of the original Doctors. <laughs> And it's really then sort of hammered home. The continuity really is hammered home with with Matt Smith and the very in Matt Smith's first episode uh, as the eleventh Doctor, when I think it's like this massive eye thing comes down. They're, they're mm. judging the planet, and he says, "Look through your history banks, and you see all the Doctors." And then he says, "Hello, I'm the Doctor," and it's like it shows you, it's like, yeah, there's a massive history. And if you're a young kid going, "Hang on, there's there's more." You know, sort of rushing off to find it. Um, and I kind of love that. Like you say, that they've just cracked on and gone like, oh, no, all that's canon. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah, we apologise for some of the costuming that may come up in the late, you know, in when the, in the mid-80s when it gets really weird. Like, you know, um, but like, yeah, it's all canon. It's all there. You know, the silliness, the seriousness, everything. And I, I love that. And I think that there aren't many things that can do that and get away with it there's very few franchises that can have that 
dramatic punch whilst also going, yeah, no, we had a guy dressed as a tree. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and if Doctor Who could do this, certainly we could say, you know, Star Trek, I mean, uh, uh, Superman 3 and 4, you don't need to reboot the series because they're that bad. You know, <laughs> they're still funny and charming and weird and charmingly bad. That's fine. There's, I love that Doctor Who embrace of all of it. Yeah. And I think we're going to see more of that as we go on. There'll be sort of uh, more of the weirdness. And, and, and I am going to make like there's two doctors on here that I've never seen. And I'm very much looking forward to it. And that's D- David Troughton um, and Pertwee. I- I've never seen anything of those. And so I'm quite excited to go and see how that continues. Uh, but we're not there yet. We're not going to. We're actually taking weirdly. like No, so not, I wouldn't say a detour. It's still Doctor Who. <laughs> But we're still sticking in the 60s and we're sticking almost we're still sticking with the first doctor uh just another iteration um as we did with quatermass quatermass obviously we did the hammer films so we are going to be jumping in and we are going to be doing uh the first um we're doing that's one the second off. it's a second right, yeah, it's, it's a second it's a dollar invasion that's right Earth. yes in, uh invasion earth. yeah invasion earth at some point in the future um we are doing the second of the Hammer uh, Doctor Who films in which Peter Cushing plays the Doctor. Um, and they are in colour and they were they were done, um, as again, to be sold internationally. So I'm really intrigued to see what we think of that. Uh, and I may actually go back. I'm, I'm te- I don't know which way around I'm going to do it yet. Do I watch, because I haven't seen the serial, so do I watch the film and then the serial, or do I watch the serial and then the film? Because that's what I did with obviously the Quatermass stuff, so I think I'm going to have to think about how I approach that. But that's going to be in the next episode, more Doctor Who. So anyway, Julian, any final thoughts on Doctor Who? Oh, it's charming to, to have this discussion, and I want to encourage you to let your inner Britishness out and get emotional and talk about what it means to you, because that is part of the treat for me. You know, as somebody who admires this and, and has learned about this, but from abroad. So you're helping me and educating I, I, me. I want to be to see that we are British. That the emotions will be kept within uh, <laughs> within certain parameters and underwrapped. <laughs> if I do show too much emotion, the BBC may actually be in contact. And the Queen will be very upset. Uh, well, you're, you're new British. Just, yes. you know, so you could get away with it. No, it will be emotional. I, I think as we get through them, there are going to be moments. I mean, you know, there's, I have a, and I'm interested to see how the conversation, especially with some, when we get to Sylvester McCoy, because that was my true introduction. Like he was my first doctor. That was that period, that late 80s. Like, you know, Timothy Dalton is my first Bond. Um, you know, uh, Sylvester McCoy is my first Doctor Who, you know, sort of like those first experiences are. are um they imprint on you they they make they have an impact so i'll be interested how we get to when we get to that but in the meantime ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening i hope you're enjoying and if you do want to get by the way if you do want to watch all these doctor who's they are readily available on i've been watching them through Britbox on and in the uk uh, i think some of it's available on, on the iplayer bbc iplayer but um i for, for you uh julian have you been accessing Brit it Britbox. Yeah, Britbox over here too okay so Britbox is available internationally uh, it's not very expensive a month. Um, it, and if you want to just sort of get through whilst we're watching this, it's a great way to all the Doctor Who's are on there. And I'm just going to put a little bit of a, a Brit box in. We're not getting sponsored. But so much British stuff is on there. Like I've been watching uh, Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister, Porridge, 
uh, The Good Life, like all these sitcoms that I love. So, and there's loads of drama on there as well, and crap like Coronation Street. Uh, no, EastEnders is on there and other stuff. Ignore that. Fantastic <laughs> British content. Go on and check it, including Spitting Image, original Spitting Image, and new Spitting Image, satirical politics, and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, that's besides the point. That's BritBox done and dusted. If you like what we're doing on uh, Stories at Thomas Space, go onto your podcast catcher, leave a review. We greatly appreciate all the reviews and all the feedback. Uh, four stars, five stars, preferably five stars, but leave a review. And if you really like what we're doing, go and check out Patreon. Patreon uh, backslash 20 CG media. Excuse me, 20 CG media. Um, on there you get the same level of analysis that julian and i are now doing for twilight zone trekking through the twilight zone we're going through every episode of the twilight zone and giving it a good uh, thorough shaking down and then on, i do my 30 minute thoughts every every month and i've had uh, create a corner and I've had all kinds of fascinating people come on there so go and check that out there'll be a link below uh so go and check that out we appreciate all the feedback and all the support we get so uh julian thank you very much thank you on onward and upward indeed yes uh and we'll be you on the next episode to talk about uh the peter cushing doctor okay see you next time